This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Well, happy Father's Day. 2021. In many ways, I can't believe that that's the year and that I'm standing here as old as I am with children of my own. Um, My parents sitting beside me this morning as we sang. On one side, my kids on the other. I am blessed. So what did you want for Father's Day? Did you get what you wanted for Father's Day? I remember I used to get my dad, uh, used to try to at least get him, get him tools a lot of the time, especially when I was old enough to recognize, you know, what, what could be handy and useful. I suppose there's something about dads that we're called on to, to build things and fix things. I know a lot of you are incredibly handy at that. Fathers, we're also, uh, we also come across as, as these uh, protectors of the family, family too. I, I know we, one of my responsibilities, I don't know how this came to happen. It, it, that's just the way it is. It was never really stated, but that's what I do. And is that I go around and I, I check all the windows and, and doors at night, right? It's time to go to bed. I go and I lock all the doors. Um, sure, anybody could kick kick the door open if they wanted to, but I locked them anyways. Trying to keep the bad stuff out, right? I got new seals on the doors. I try to keep the, the weather out, the bugs out, filters on the house. I try to keep the allergens out. Because what I really want is I want a healthy and a safe family. That's what we want, isn't it? For Father's Day, it's no different than any other day. We just want our family well. Certainly physically, but all the more so spiritually. Are they spiritually well? And so we, we do things to try to keep the evil out of our house as well. We are the protectors. But perhaps... Are we ourselves bringing the evil into our house? Despite all of the other things that we set up, I'd like to remind us that it's very possible that evil is sidestepping all of that and it's getting a free ride right into the heart of our house by stowing away in the heart's of us, the fathers, the heads of the household. 
are we polluting and infecting our families with a little evil harbored in our own hearts? Perhaps it's down deep in the hold of the ship, in the dark corner. Nobody really knows about it, but it's down there. I have known good families that have suffered incredible pain and suffering because on the surface everything looked good and they were doing the Lord's work. But down deep, evil was present. And it was allowed to grow, and in some cases it tore families apart, and in other cases it made lives incredibly difficult. But by the Lord's grace, the families were uh, held together. So Jesus said, Matthew chapter 15, Are you also still without understanding? The Pharisees have just come to Jesus and his disciples. And are are you eating with unwashed hands? Are you transgressing the the traditions of of our elders by eating with unwashed hands? And Jesus says, It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. And and his apostles, they ask for some clarity on this. So Jesus is explaining it. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Holiness is serious business. Holiness. We serve a God, our Heavenly Father. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. After the children of Israel got out of Egypt crossed the Red Sea. They received the commandments from the Lord at Mount Sinai. The Lord sets Moses and Aaron, especially in the business of establishing sacrifices, how to construct the tabernacle, and establishing the priesthood. And there's a lot involved. I decided not to read, read it because it's chapter after chapter of specifics. One might say it's even complicated. But all those details, they mattered to God because God is holy. Holiness is paramount. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people. This is right after this. this is, we're just starting the priesthood. And Aaron, high priest, 
lifts his hand toward the people and he blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and burnt offering. Leviticus 9, 22 and following. From offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. And I would have too had I been there. Right? We're seeing the magnificence of God there. Worshipped in His holiness. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Remember, these are his two sons that were just been consumed by the fire. Then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphon, the sons of Aziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar his sons, Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes. Why would they do that? That's, that's normal mourning, right? For Aaron, as two of his sons have died, for these two brothers, two of their brothers have died. The normal reaction is for them to mourn, to grieve. It just happened. And Moses says, don't do this. Do not tear, uh, tear your clothes lest you die. Do not uncover your heads. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. They're serious times, aren't they? Severe. It's the holiness of God that we're establishing here. They're coming into the Lord's presence. And God is making a point that to come across that threshold into the presence of the Lord, you're coming into holiness. And you must be holy. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron. Lord speaking to Aaron directly. It's not something that happened a whole lot that we have recorded. Mostly it was going through Moses. But in this case, the Lord speaks to Aaron directly, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy 
and unholy, between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So perhaps this is why Nadab and Abihu offered profane fire to the Lord. Perhaps they had been drinking or were simply drunk. That seems to be the implication. But the point is that God says to Aaron directly that you must distinguish. You must perceive the difference between what's holy and what's unholy, between what's unclean and what's clean. You must. You must know this. Well, that was a long time ago. I suppose we might say things are different now. The world has certainly changed a lot. We don't see the tabernacle. We don't see the, the high priest in all of his robes and garment and the hat and the breastplate. Because the high priest is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, isn't he? And we are the priests now, aren't we? We are the priests now. We are the holy priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So really... Not much has changed. We may see things with our eyes look a little differently, but the priesthood is still here. Here we are. Here we sit. And we are still about the business of offering sacrifices that are to be acceptable to God by the way we live. This speaks to all of us, church, but of course today I'm speaking mostly to us fathers. As the head of the house, examine yourselves this morning. Look inside your hearts and consider what we might be bringing into our homes, the very homes that we strive to protect and keep safe. In doing all of that, and I think that's great, we should be about all of that. But let us not let all of that get circumvented by sin finding a small spot in our own hearts and bringing that in to pollute the very people that we intend to protect. So is it a serious now? We see people dropping dead because they didn't offer the acceptable sacrifices to God. You know, that happened a long time ago, sure. And God was establishing the priesthood. And, of course, there was all the instruments and the, you know, the, the holy articles of God. And there were, there were the holy sacrifices and stuff. And, and we don't see that priesthood today. 
But we are this new priesthood today, and God established this new priesthood the same as he did that one, didn't he? He established a high priest, and after the high priest was established, was not the priesthood then established afterwards? Acts chapter 5, But a certain man named Ananias, and with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? He's saying, why? You had the land, and after you sold it, the, the, money, the money was yours to do with as you wanted to. Why bring it to the Lord and pass it off like you're giving, us, giving the whole amount instead of just part of the amount? Is it, fine to, it would be fine to give part of the amount, but don't present it. Don't lie and say you're bringing the whole thing. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? In your heart. Everything looks good on the surface. But in his heart, he's harboring back just a little bit. Just, you know, I'm, I'm still bringing the offering. And there's nothing wrong with bringing part of it versus all of it. That's fine. But he's doing it with a little bit of deceit. Just a little bit. Harboring it in his heart. You have not lied to men but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. <clears throat> it's just a little thing. I wonder, is that any... Coincidence that it was there was two people, two priests died at the establishment of the first priesthood or the Levitical priesthood. Because of a lack of holiness, because of a lack of purity. And we see the same thing happen, the establishment of Christ's priesthood. Two people. And this time, they're not, they're not brothers, though. They're, it's a husband and a wife. And I wonder, as I look out among us and I see that the church is built up largely of families, that this is, this is the structure of the church that we live in today. There is the church, and within the church, there are these families. And the heads of these families, the head being the, being the father, the husband, and his wife, that they together conspired to do this little thing, we might say. But it was not acceptable 
to God. It was not holy. It was profane. The tabernacle, and by extension the temple, they were special places, right? I mean, they were, they were holy places. I mean, they, they had two parts. They were the holy place and the holy of holies. So was the place special? Was it holy? Absolutely it was holy. It was, all, it was only made up of holy. Holy and holies of holies. That's all it had. And they had a big fence or a big wall around them so that you couldn't just, you know, run into them. It's like, it like what they did at the, at, the, at the base of the mountain of uh, Mount Sinai when God said, I was like, hey, get everybody back. They were dangerous places. You had to be careful. You had to approach those places according to the word of the Lord. Well, like the priest, we are the temple now. It's amazing to see that in Christ, all these things are coming together into one unit. See, architect, uh, this is... This is the architect that, or is God is, God, excuse me, the architecture of God. It's a beautiful thing. All of this coming together. 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and tells them, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I'll never understand really why among some in the brotherhood, you know, they maintain that the Spirit of God does not dwell within us. But no, because we have verses like this, the Spirit of God dwells in you, plainly. So it does. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in us like the temple, because we are the temple. And if this wasn't enough, or if anyone, and he continues, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. And if this wasn't enough, Paul writes a second letter to the church at Corinth and reemphasizes the same thing. Corinth Corinth, as a city, was an idolatrous, immoral, uh, adulterous city. All right? And that's, wh that's why we have the church, uh, the term, we don't really use it much anymore, but the, the, the term Corinthian came from. Uh, they're a Corinthian. They're immoral. So in the second letter, for you are, he's reminding them, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 
John writes to us, A perfect love casts out fear. And I'm not suggesting that these passages are in conflict. So let me try to explain this. We are living not under law today. We live under grace. We walk in the Spirit. And so we have the assurance of forgiveness, of Christ's fully cleansing blood that cleanses us from all sin, all spot, so that there is nothing unholy in us. Nevertheless, Paul urges the church there to get rid of all of the stuff that's around them and that they let pick up, that they, that they pick it up and they carry it with them. It gets on their clothes, it gets on their feet and they walk through it and stuff. And they, they carry it and they let it, they let it infect them. Fathers, do you love your, do you love your wives? I love my wife. And there are some things that I know she doesn't like. Right? We know, we know them. We know what they like and we know what they don't like. And you know what? I don't do what she doesn't like. You know why? Because I love her. It's because I love her. Paul writes to the Ephesians that we are the head of our wives as Christ is the head of the church. That's the relationship that we have. Let's remember that in our families. We are to be this Christ-like figure. And we don't, we, the love that we, the things that we do, we do out of love. Not because we're, we're scared of being smote by God. But because we love God. That's what we're trying to get to, at least. It's that kind of relationship, that perfect love, the, where all the fear is cast out. We're not, we're not living in fear of being smitten. Uh, we're, we're obeying. All the unholiness, all the unclean stuff, we look at it and we see it as unholy and unclean, and we don't want it on us. To us, it looks filthy and repulsive. Because we're with the Lord. That's where we're at. Or that's where we should be. Paul writes to the Galatians. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are. And he starts listing them out here, and I'll read them, but I want to... I want you to hear that we're, we're talking about multiple churches that Paul is writing to, right? He, he's writing to all these different churches, especially Corinth there and what I just read. But he's, he's writing the same type of stuff to many different churches. And here we are. And I don't think that, you know, uh, the problem of the world that we're living in has gone away. It's still very much there, and we're still very much at risk for not 
keeping ourselves clean from the world if we let it. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. If if we're harboring lewdness in our minds, let's get back to work. Idolatry, which I've talked on before, is covetousness, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Guys, just because we've grown up to be men doesn't mean we, we, we can't still throw, throw a fit, right? Ask me how I know. Selfish ambitions. We live in America. America applauds ambition. He's ambitious. You're ambitious. That's good. I like to see some ambition myself. But what are we ambitious for? Is it selfish ambitions? Dissensions. Hearsies. Envy. Still go back. I don't know if we have that. Was, was Dane's message on envy recorded? It wasn't, was it? That's, a, that's too bad. Murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We were reading not many days ago about King Asa, king of Judah. This happens after Israel and Judah have, have separated. They've had that. They're split. Uh, and Asa is now on the throne of Judah. Israel has done terribly idolatrous things already from the very beginning. Jeroboam you know, completely you know, tried to set up a new system of worship and gods, idols, just terrible. Um, but Asa, Asa is a good king. He comes in and he gets, it, he gets rid of the high places and the Asherah poles. And this army comes up to fight against Asa. And he sees that, okay, this army ha- has it. They got enough to take them. This army has enough to, to invade and conquer them if they, need, if they want. And here they are. Here they coming. And Asa cries out to God, prays to God, tells him that it's on you that we rely. We are your people. Don't let them fight and uh, defeat us. And when you read a humble prayers like that in the Bible, you know, you know what's coming. God shows up, and He does. And He defeats uh, the, uh, the Ethiopians that come up, the Cushites, that come up to attack Judah at that time. And then uh, Azariah, a prophet, shows up to Asa and urges Asa to continue seeking, serving the Lord. And reminding him, it says, hey, God is with you. 
as long as you are with him. But if you forsake him, then he'll forsake you. So be sure to seek and serve the Lord. And so Asa, and this is what I love about Asa, he doubles down on his efforts. And they, they spread out, and, and, and they don't just cut down and destroy all the high places and stuff there in the cities in Judah, but, they, but everywhere they've got control, they start wiping them out everywhere. And all the people get together, and they, they reaffirm their covenant to God. It says, yes, we will obey the Lord. And they, if anybody doesn't obey the Lord, if anybody you know, puts up... Um, and serves these other gods, then, then they will be put to death. So they take this seriously, and so seriously that, that Asa's own uh, grandmother, who had put up an Asherah pole, it gets, of course it gets cut down, but then she gets kind of deposed as queen mother, as an example to everybody else, that hey, even, <laughs> even the king's own grandmother is not uh, immune or is, is not free from this, this effort, this holiness that they are striving for. It is to be eradicated, all of it. And I love that about Asa. And consequently, it says that Asa says, hey, you know, we've got... We've got peace. The Lord is with us. So they, they build and they fortify and, 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 and there's, there's peace in the land for year after year after year. That's what we're going for. Eradication of that so that we can have you know, the, the, the peace and, and the, the striving for the holiness. Sometimes those armies come up though we have to fight against them. And guys, that's what, we're, that's what we're made for. We're made for fighting the good fight. And when that's necessary, we've got to stand up and do like Azariah told Asa. You know, be strong in your, with your hand. Do these things. Don't be laps or lax on them. The other reason I bring up Ace is because after all of these years of prosperity, he tends to rely on his own prosperity. And he begins to fall back from relying on God in the latter years. And so when an army, or when the, when the Israelites, they, they try to set up some stuff, he, he, he doesn't call to God, he, he uses things out of the temple no less, to hire mercenaries to come in and attack the armies and stave them off. And, and it works politically. But God sends him a prophet and says, that is a big mistake. And even after that, he gets a disease, the Bible says, in his feet. And after he can't get rid of this disease, he doesn't go to God. He just keeps going to the doctors, to the physicians, over and over. There's nothing wrong with going to doctors and physicians, but who is his faith in? Let's be like the younger Asa. 
and not like the comfortable Asa that thinks, I guess, that he knew everything. Fathers, we stand at the gate. We stand in the breach. Story of the old uh, battles of cities with arm with tall walls. And if they ever, they are, if the enemy ever was able to get a breach in those walls, that the best warriors would stand, as the legend goes, at the at the opening of that breach out in front, and that those best of the best warriors would sacrifice themselves against you know the concentration, uh, the concentrated fight of the enemy to stave them off while they shored up the gap in the walls. Fathers, I am proud to be among such a wonderful group of of dads. I am. We fight shoulder to shoulder. God is not giving a, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So let us lay aside every weight. Let us cast off everything that hinders, all obstacles. Let's get rid of them. Let's kick them to the curb. The sin which so easily ensnares us. For we are to rule over it. So not long ago, um, I ran a 5K, my first ever 5K that I ever ran, uh, maybe my last. (laughs) And the last lap of that 5K, Brother Clint came out and ran with me to encourage me to finish strong on that last lap. Something I'll never forget. Thank you, brother. That's us, guys. We stand, we are not alone. Don't try to fight this alone. We are to be together, a brotherhood of soldiers. So, with that in mind, then, let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. There's where our power is from. It's not from within us. We are weak, but He is strong. Rely on that. Let's lean on that power. And let's strive all the more to be holy. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. If you need the prayers of the church, we are here, ready to pray 
to entreat of the Lord's strength. This is a place where we come, not because we know it all, because we have it all together. This is a place where we come because we know we need help. That's why we're here. We admit that when we walk in those doors. I need the Lord. If you're here today and you want to put Christ on, to become a Christian, putting Him on in baptism, now is a great time to do that. Come up here while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.